Creating business isn't about doing hashtag all the things. It's about doing the right thing at the right time to create systems for success. Welcome to the Master the Sales Game podcast. Each week, I'll be sharing specific strategies, tactics, and practical know-how from myself and other successful business owners, helping you grow and scale your business. I'm your host, Susan McVeigh, helping you master the sales game and sell with more ease without the sleaze. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now, let's get started. Have you ever sent out a proposal only to realize, oh my goodness, I don't even know if this person is going to respond. I don't know if this is going to close. I don't know if I just spent one hour, five hours, 10 hours of my life that I will never get back. If any of that has ever crossed your mind, if you use proposals at all in order to sell in your business, this is the episode for you. So here's what I want you to do first to increase your close rate and your close ratio for sales proposals. That's what's coming up next, all in this episode. Don't miss it. We're going to dive in in just two seconds. So proposals. Now, I have a love-hate relationship with proposals. And even though I have spent, you know, gosh, 20 years in corporate finance, which is a heavily regulated environment. It is a heavily compliant world and it is a very big B2B space. So the organization that I used to work for had 80,000 global employees. It is a global 300 company. It is big, big, big business. So I know working with now clients on the micro scale, as well as those big B2B you know, Fortune 50, Fortune 10, a lot of those people were my clients um, and everything in between that this whole notion that proposals is the only way to sell, especially when you're working with individuals who are B2B, is a bold faced lie that people are being sucked into. Now, I will say that depending on the organization, that there very much is a process and that process may also include an RFP, or a request for proposal. One of my clients regularly puts in bids for RFPs and regularly wins them. Contracts that are worth anything from 5,000 all the way up to a million dollars and more. And so how do you position yourself when you are you know, having to sell using proposals and or your potential customer would prefer that you send them a proposal in order to close a deal? This is what I want to talk about today, because I think there are some definite do's and don'ts, and there's definitely things that you want to do first, if at all possible, before you take the time and the effort and the energy to put a proposal together, where essentially what I see a lot of times is that you are taking a shot in the dark, and I want to uh, illuminate the, the situation in some sense so that you're able to have a better opportunity to actually get your foot in the door start a relationship, and build a business that is actually going to be both productive, profitable, and something that is aligned to what you want to do on an ongoing basis. Now, here's what I want you to also know is that not all B2B, so if you're selling business to business, not all B2B sales requires a proposal. So you volunteering to send a proposal where none is required is simply adding more work 
where there is none actually requested. Again, the caveat is if their sales process requires you to follow an RFP, do not circumnavigate the process by trying to avoid sending in an RFP. If they are a larger company, so again, the company, the Global 300 that I work for, you had to submit an RFP. There was no way around it. However, that being said, if you know how to submit RFPs properly, and we're not going to actually go into a full you know, deep dive of that, because every single company is going to be slightly different in terms of the parameters. I will say 99% of the time, the reason why your proposals do not get accepted when they have an RFP process is because you do not follow instructions. I'm going to say that again, 99% of the time, the reason why your proposal does not get accepted is because you simply are not following directions. Do not circumnavigate just because you think you're going to stand out. You're going to stand out for the wrong reasons. Okay. So that being said, let's dive in to the meat and potatoes of what I actually want to share with you today. So number one, I don't want you to sell with a proposal. So again, if there's an RFP, you can basically ignore what I'm going to tell you. But for the most part, the majority of us, I'd say 80 to 90% of the sales situations that I come across, there's going to be some way for you to build a relationship or have a conversation or a connection of some kind with the individual that is either a key influencer or a decision maker in the sales process. So you do not do heavy lifting with a proposal. It is very challenging for you to, to have all the required details and information without at least having some kind of interaction, communication, or conversation with the individual, with the company that you want to do business with. Number two, do not use a proposal in order to avoid negotiations. Do not uh, use a proposal because you're trying to avoid actually having a challenging or difficult conversation with that party about pricing, about the packaging, about whatever it is that you're trying to pitch to them. The third thing is that do not use a proposal in order to defer a decision-making component, meaning you're worried about dealing with objection handling. You're worried about uh, negotiations. You're worried about, oh my gosh, there's somebody else involved and I don't have a relationship with them. I don't really know very much about that person. So you're trying to defer the ultimate decision. Do not use a proposal in any of these situations or circumstances. You will shoot yourself in the foot and you will not make progress. In fact, you are going to solidify the fact that selling is harder, that your proposals don't work, and all those other negative stories that may be spilling over and tumbling around in your brain right this very second. Now, again, I want you to let you know that number one, do not deflect, do not defer, and do not dump or avoid using proposals. That was three in one, okay? So do not do all of these things because proposals are there in order to help support your sales activities, your sales process, your sales conversations, and the interaction that you're actually having as a result of the relationship that you're building with your potential customers and prospects. So do not allow your proposal to do something that you haven't yet done. Your proposal should be these three things. This is, these are the, the do's now, after we've covered off you know, all the things that your proposal shouldn't do, the don'ts. 
Number one, your proposal is helping you to sell. But again, the heavy lifting of the selling is up to you. You are the one that actually has to actively sell, engage in a sales conversation or interaction with your potential customer. Your proposal is part of the sales process, and it can help support and validate the conversation and the communication points that you just had with that individual or with that company. The second piece is the do. Do be specific. This is a great place to make sure that you clarify expectations and that you outline exactly what the key deliverables are that you are getting paid for, that you are promising the results and the transformation that you have engaged with them on as a result of the conversation and the discussion that you just had. Okay, So be as specific as possible, because in a lot of situations, your proposal will become a working document that ties in directly with the key deliverables of your project and the plan that you're about to embark on. So it it lines out the, the overview, the framework, the meat of what it is that they actually want you to provide. Third, the third do is it needs to summarize. So, oh gosh, gone are the days where you are sending over, you know, a 10, 14, 20, 30 page report, so to speak, instead of an actual proposal. A proposal should be a high-level summary that will take into account the key points of action, the key points of discussion, and the key points of agreement to lay out a common expectation from the conversation that you just had. It outlines the exact parameters of what you're getting paid for and what you have agreed to, so that when you send off the proposal, essentially, number one, you have walked through your sales process, okay? If you aren't familiar with the steps of the sales process, I want you to go and listen to episode number 10. We'll link it below in the show notes for you. And in the context of that, essentially, you are following the framework of how I like to build proposals. A proposal really highlights what is the gap and what is the result as I'm going to work with you. What is the promise? What is the vision? What is the transformation? What are the key deliverables based on the gap that you identified? So those two are connected together. And the last piece is about your pricing and anything else that needs to be incorporated that you're promising that you're going to to add on. So do you need to have access to specific team members? Do you need to have access to certain reports? Do you need to have access to certain people? What is it that you need to be able to gain access to that will be contingent upon your success and their success in order to be able to move forward? It becomes a living, breathing, working document that then is embedded inside of your project plan, ideally when you're starting to work with that particular company. So as a result, your proposal really just takes the conversation that you had, whether it's a 20-minute, 45-minute, hour-long sales conversation or presentation from that meeting, and then it highlights those key components so that everybody is on the same page and everybody understands exactly what they agreed to. Before you have a sales conversation complete, you should know the answer of whether or not they're going to move forward. Now, again, depending on the organization, their formal format may require that Every single conversation is documented through the means of a sales proposal. That being said, you should have a pretty good idea before you send one off if they're about to say yes to you or somebody else. 
it's as simple as asking, you know, before you end the conversation. So based off of what I just shared with you today, what, which direction are you leaning towards? Is, is this something that you can see us working towards, or is there something else that I've missed that perhaps we need to put back on the table and have a, a more thorough discussion on? Is there somebody else who needs to be involved in the final step of this conversation? that I can address inside of my proposal? What is the likelihood that you are feeling we're gonna move forward in terms of what I just outlined with you today? So all these types of questions allow you to just have more certainty that the work and the effort and the time that you're putting towards putting that proposal in place is actually going to seal the deal. I have had no proposals that I have sent out that have not moved forward into a yes. Now. Again, I'm very selective with who I work with, the companies that I support, and the types of conversations that I have. So if at any point in time during a conversation, I feel like there isn't a meeting of the minds and there isn't an expectation that I can meet or provide, then I'm not going to continue to move forward with my pricing, with my packages, with the way that I can support them. None of that even comes to play. And as a result, if I have any sort of reservation around the fact that I don't know if this is actually going to go through, uh, I may not even fulfill with the proposal. Uh, that is completely up to me because I am the expert and they're the ones that have come to me for help and assistance. Now, if you're out there and you're cold pitching, it's going to be a little bit more of a, a different slant to things, right? But that being said, it just may mean that you have multiple conversations. So instead of having a one-step close or a one-conversation close, which I don't think one is better than the other, it's just a matter of what fits for the situation, the scenario, the individual that you're speaking with or the company that you're supporting, and what their process needs to look like in order to be able to come to a decision. Uh, some people and some companies have a multi-layered approach. Totally fine. Does it speak to your sales skills? No, it doesn't. Because if they have a process that you need to follow, that you just need to follow their process. You need to knock their socks off at every step of the game so that just like in your sales process, they're able to move through. You are equally able to move through because every step of the process is really about re-engaging, reinvigorating, and re-igniting the fact that you're on the same page together and the journey is where you both want to go. Why is empathy so essential to selling? Well, we're going to dive into this topic. Now, first, I want us to start off with understanding what the heck is empathy, because I think a lot of times empathy and sympathy can be used interchangeably, and they're not exactly the same thing. So empathy is defined as the ability to share and understand the feelings of another, okay? So there are three main types of empathy. I'm not gonna actually dive in uh, a, huge of, uh, a huge amount of detail in any single one of these, but I want us to understand that empathy is related to our emotional quotient or emotional intelligence, which is EQ, which is, I think, more important than the IQ of sales, right? So in selling, we have both an EQ, the emotional component, and then we have the IQ, which is the smart component or the logical part. Now, I've said many times that a lot of times when we're dealing with our potential customers, our leads or prospects, that they will often uh, make decisions and buy based off of emotional reasons or rationale. And then they, they justify that using logic. Uh, 
So it's important that we use both the logical left brain and the creative right brain or the more intuitive emotional side of things, because if we don't, we don't address the whole person. Now, there's three different ways that we process emotional information, and that's where the three types of, of empathy come in play. Okay, so the, the three types that I'm going to share with you, number one is cognitive, cognitive empathy. This is about understanding, being able to use your brain to understand logically another person's perspective about what's happening from a situation. Okay, so this is where oftentimes we are going to put ourselves in their shoes, but from a place of understanding, from a place of being able to look at the lens of what is happening in the world, what is happening in their business, what is happening in their relationship, what is happening to them from a logical point of view, right? Like an A, B, C, D sort of perspective. That empathy comes from a cognitive ability. Cognition is really about uh, knowledge and understanding. That's why for this particular type of empathy, it's really related to your ability to understand what's happening that would create those emotions. Number two is emotional empathy. Okay, number two is emotional empathy. This is um, sometimes what we think about when we consider somebody to be really empathetic, right? If you would categorize yourself as somebody who is uh, able to physically feel what somebody else is feeling, if you are in a room and all of a sudden you can feel the room, right? You can feel the emotion. You can feel the stress. You can feel somebody's crying. You can feel that somebody's angry and you literally can feel it, physically feel it in your body. That is emotional empathy where you are able to understand to such a degree their emotional state that you physically feel it inside of you. We all can do this to to a degree, okay? So I don't want you to go, oh, I never feel anything. Well, that's not true because you being a human being on the planet means that technically you probably have experienced every emotion under the sun that every other person would have experienced on the planet. Now, it may not be for the exact same reasons or in the same context or situation, but you would have experienced the same rainbow of emotions that are available to us to feel as a human being who's alive today. So the third type of empathy is empathic concern, okay? Empathic concern. Empathic concern is really about the ability to sense, okay? To have an understanding, but really it's about sensing. So using your five senses, what another needs from you. So this is where you, it's almost like you're reading their mind and you don't, you, you realize, oh my gosh, they must be sad. So I'm going to give them this, right? So it is about, for me, at least this particular uh, type of empathy is really about the ability to be proactive and really understand at a, a deeper layer, because when we think about the other two types of empathy, right, when just because you understand or know a thing, which is the cognitive piece, you can understand things, but it doesn't allow you to sense what another needs from you. The second piece, which is emotional empathy, where you can physically feel sometimes that is so overwhelming that it actually doesn't help you. Um, It can uh, allow you to really relate at a deeper degree because you can feel how, how impactful that emotion might be for that person. But at the end of the day, the three combined together is what makes empathy so very valuable. And I believe we all get all three just in varying degrees. 
So you may be nodding your head right now and feeling like, well, I have one type of empathy that is more prevalent than the other. And that's probably going to be the case. But I'm telling you right now that because you're a human being that has experienced raw emotions, the same as every other human being on the planet, again, regardless of the situation, regardless of the context, the, the way and the manner that those emotions may have been provoked may be different than, let's say me. But at the end of the day, the fact that you have felt those feelings is good enough for us to have a common bond and a common understanding around how we can leverage and use empathy, especially in selling. So this is not about you uh, twisting things or using it in a way that is designed for bad. This is allowing you to really just be able to relate to a human being as another fellow human being, like heart to heart, not just words on a piece of paper, not just because of a dollar sign that you need to meet, not because there is something that you need to get from this individual, but more because there is something that you mutually can give to one another to come to a common understanding and an agreement that is going to serve both of you to create that win-win opportunity, okay? So again, when you think about empathy, right? For me, empathy is the basis for really solid communication. Because have you ever been in a situation where you're speaking with somebody and it just feels like they're going through the motions? Their words are coming out, but it's meaningless. It feels hollow. It doesn't feel genuine. It feels like there's something not quite right or a little bit lackluster. I'm going to guarantee that it's because This individual has not fully demonstrated their emotional IQ, right? Their EQ. They have not leveraged their ability to be empathetic. And they haven't really considered each one of these three different types of empathy and which one's the most appropriate for the situation at hand. Again, I want to say that unless you have a condition that precludes you from being able to actually receive and be part of empathy, that the sheer fact that you're a human being means that you have the innate ability and skill. Again, I want to say, disclaimer, if you have a medical condition, some kind of illness that would preclude you from this, this is probably not going to be the most helpful. But that being said, chances are, if you're listening to this, you have at least some ability to be empathetic, some ability to even if it's just cognitively, that you can understand that when somebody is shouting, that they are most likely going to be upset, maybe even angry, right? That if somebody seems to be tearing up or sniffling, that they may be on the verge of tears, which could signal unhappiness, sadness, depression, loneliness. So even though you may not have all of the clues or the triggers, I guarantee you that you have enough cognitive ability listening to me, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this channel, that you understand the basics of what is required in order to to be able to leverage empathy in your favor, but really to do good in the world, right? The whole point of having empathy is to create deeper, more meaningful connections and relationships. And I think sometimes we miss the boat, number one, because we're trying to be uber professional. Now, I will say that coming from a very strict corporate background where, I mean, it was mostly a guy's world. Being more emotional was seen as being weak. Being more empathetic was seen as kind of like extra, right? And it really wasn't something that was commonplace in the more traditional workplace or business world. But I'm going to tell you 
that because you're dealing with human beings, the more you can humanize the conversation and the process of sales, right? So if you don't understand the whole sales process, I want you to go and listen to episode number 10. We will link it up in the show notes for you below, uh, which are all the different pieces of the actual sales process and what you need to have in place in order to sell well. But this is the this is the secret sauce. This is the soft skills that people sometimes have a hard time getting a handle on. These are the social graces and the niceties that a lot of times we skim over. But I believe that they are foundational to ensuring that the sales process that you build actually works even better. These are the things that allow us to, as we navigate through those conversations and create those appropriate connections, that number one, you know how to respond appropriately. Because if you don't have empathy on your side, then guess what? You're the one that's going to constantly be putting your foot in your mouth because you don't understand what's happening on the other end. I've had clients come to me time and time again, worried, despondent, like just simply beside themselves because they've sent off an email or a text message or uh, a DM, like a direct message through a social media platform, and they didn't get a response right away. And I said, okay, what could be going on on the other side, right? What do you think might be happening to them that would prevent them from being able to respond to you? Is there something that you have put in your message that you think would be derogatory, inflammatory, or just plain old, like just confusing? And when they sit and they think about it, they realize, well, I'm a good, decent human being. And I've sent this with the intention of being able to create a positive impact. And maybe I'm just overreacting because I have fear, because I have worry, because I have anxiety, because I'm not sure how they'll react or respond. But when we, we sit and think about, well, how do you expect them to respond? Well, it was a pretty good message, but maybe we just haven't given them enough time, right? And so... Uh, A lot of times we just haven't given people enough time in something. We're going to link up that uh, episode for you below because it's not just about timing. It's also about your time in doing a thing. And that's equally as important. But for today's episode, what I want you to really think about is, number one, how do you demonstrate your empathy? And are you using it in your interactions with clients and potential clients, no matter how professional that it may be deemed or not deemed to be. Because I'm going to tell you, no one ever has ever said, please don't be as nice as you possibly can be. Please don't be as kind or compassionate. Please don't show empathy towards my situation or my circumstance. Please don't create understanding with a common thread of what it is that I'm currently emotionally going through that could be causing me stress or anxiety or taking my thoughts away from the conversation at hand. Nobody nowhere ever ever has ever said that to me. Anytime that I have taken the opportunity to be empathetic, to empathize with the situation, to find out more details about something that might be going on that could be triggering an emotional response that is, has nothing to do with me or the situation at hand, but allows them to think more clearly because now I can empathize. Now I can see where they're coming from. Now I can see the perspective through which they're looking at our conversation and some of the things that I've asked them to consider. When I'm able to put myself in those shoes that they're wearing right now and just know that moment by moment, 
that changes, right? Because our emotional circumstance, the stories that we're telling, the things that are being prioritized, the way that our brain is just ping-ponging around with different thoughts and beliefs and priorities means that your ability to empathize and have empathy to what they're going through, your potential client right now is going to make or break your sales success, not just in the short term, but I believe in the long term. And I know if you're listening right now, you don't want just the short term money. You're looking for long standing, consistent sales relationships that stand the test of time and a business that will be here, not just next year, but in three years, five years, 10 years, and even beyond that. Maybe not in the current iteration, but definitely in the way that you're helping people, right? Definitely in the way that you're going to create impact, definitely in the way that you're going to be able to do even more good in the world. And the foundation for all of this, this is a core piece of our emotional intelligence. It stems from empathy. It stems from us being able to understand and share how we're feeling with one another. Because the more we can humanize this experience of sales, of selling, of doing business with one another, the more that we're able to really understand and deeply connect so that we can serve our customers as best as possible and that we can continue to be a leader in the space that you're called to be a leader in. I think it takes a lot of courage to wear your heart in your sleeve. I think it takes a lot of courage to be vulnerable and to be honest and authentic. And I think it takes a lot of courage to encourage other people to do the same with you. That's what builds trust. That's what builds relationships that are going to stand the test of time. And I think sometimes we worry so much about what other people are going to think of us or say about us when really and truly, if you just speak from your heart and allow that to shine through, that will override everything else and allow you to do the right thing at the right time for the right person. And sometimes that means that your empathy is going to allow you to see a different solution. Sometimes that solution isn't you, and that's going to be okay. Because I promise you that when you do the right thing for your clients, when you are able to lead with empathy and lead with love and serve from your heart, that the sales will come. It has always been this way for me. And I just want you to let go of the fear because when we start chasing after dollars and when we start dehumanizing the sales process and start looking at people simply from the perspective of what can they do for me and how much can I get from them? we're doing ourselves such a disservice and we're doing our potential clients such a disservice and we're doing our existing clients such a disservice. And more of your ability to deeply connect comes from empathy. So let's do a quick recap, okay? So remember that empathy is your ability to share and understand the feelings of another. And we talked about the three different types of empathy. I want you to go back and listen if you need a refresher on that. But those three different types I believe we all have them available to us in varying degrees, and we just need to be able to pull on them depending on the situation and the circumstance so that we understand how to be more emotionally intelligent human beings on the planet, not just IQ smart, but EQ smart, and that this will allow us and tap into the key to the appropriate responses that will develop longer term, more beneficial, profitable, and fruitful relationships for our clients, for our vendors, and for the community that we serve at large. Thanks so much for joining me. If this is something that you want a little bit more of hand-holding on, please feel free to join me in my inner circle at Sales Mastery Society. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Be sure to let me know what you think by leaving a review so I know how best to serve you. If you're enjoying this show, don't forget to share and hit subscribe so you know when the next show is up. See you next time. Thank you.